It's the Sports Talk Live from Merrimack Radio, WMCK, with your host, Harrison Chase. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Talk with Harrison Chase on Merrimack College Radio, WMCK. If you ever take a comment, feel free to call in by dialing 978-296-3245. That's 978-296-3245. I'm going to take a, a different direction here uh, when starting off the show this week, and that's with what has been happening here at Merrimack College. Well, lots of good things, ladies and gentlemen. Over the last three weeks while I've been off the air, the Merrimack men's basketball team won the Northeast Conference Championship against Farley Dickinson right here at Lawler Arena. Then the men's ice hockey team won the quarterfinals inside of Lawler Arena against Boston College in double overtime to advance to the semifinals at the TD Garden last Friday night against the Riverhawks of UMass Lowell, also beating them in double overtime to advance to the Hockey East Championship game Saturday night against Boston University, going into overtime with them as well, but ultimately ultimately losing to the Terriers 3-2. to Even with their loss Saturday night against the Terriers, the Warriors were still able to get a bid to go dancing in the madness of March, starting this Friday night at 5.30 against the Quinnipiac Bobcats down in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Speaking of March Madness, the Farley Dickinson men's basketball team, who lost to the Warriors men's basketball team in the Northeast Conference Championship game, by default was able to go to March Madness because the Warriors are in their last year of their four-year suspension for moving from Division Two to Division One. The Knights of Farley Dickinson would square up against the first seed Purdue on Friday night with a 23-and-a-half point spread. Well, what do you know? What was once a team that lost their conference championship game to now becoming the Cinderella team and one of the biggest stories coming out of March Madness. Wet the ink and open up the history books because the 23 and half point spread was the biggest point spread upset in tournament history. The Knights of Farley Dickinson would then go on to play Florida Atlantic University Sunday night and would end up losing 78 to 70. Nonetheless, it was great to see Farley Dickinson represent the Northeast Conference in March Madness and make such big news and positive energy towards the conference as well as Merrimack College. Now moving over to professional sports, starting with the Boston Celtics. The Celtics, who are at one point the best team in the NBA, have now dropped to third place of the Eastern Conference Division at 49-23, and behind the Philadelphia 76ers, who are at 48-22, and who are behind the first-place Milwaukee Bucks, who have a record of 51-20. and So, needless to say, the Celtics are dropping significantly down in the standings and are jeopardizing a potential run for what everyone thought at one point was an easy NBA Finals. Looking forward for the Celtics, they will wrap up their road trip against the Sacramento Kings tomorrow night, back home Friday against the Pacers and the Spurs on Sunday. The other team who everyone thinks a championship run is in clear sight are the Boston Bruins. They as well had a slight bump in the road, losing three out of four games between March 9th and March 14th, but now have three straight wins and seem to be back where they started after a big 7-0 win against the Buffalo Sabres yesterday afternoon with seven different scorers as well. Looking forward for the Bees, they would play the Senators tomorrow night, the Canadians Thursday night, the Lightning Saturday night, and wrapping up the week against the Hurricanes on Sunday night. Well, with that, that's my usual spiel. So go ahead and call in 978-296-3245. That's 978-296-3245. can talk about whatever you want 
uh, that's happening in sports. Obviously, the one sport I didn't mention uh, was those Boston Red Sox. Um, but, you know, as always, we can take those on. Uh, first uh, first caller of the day, Dave from Florida. What's going on, Dave? What's up, Harrison? How you doing, brother? Doing good. How are you? Glad, good thanks. Glad to have you. Glad to have you back, man. Missed you. Yeah, the weeks um, just the yeah. weeks didn't line up. I was on vacation, then it was spring break, and then uh, actually last week I got pulled uh, to broadcast um, some Division One and Division Two uh, women's uh, and men's basketball games like last minute. So uh, had to make a slight change to schedule, but good to be back uh, here on the air. Absolutely. And I heard some of those games where you did a really good job. So congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. I was well done. Well done. So I just, I'm down here in Florida uh, with some alums, visiting some alumni, making, you know, doing some stewardship. Nice. Cultivating all that. Nice. We took took a sum to a Red Sox game and all that. And I, perfect. I'm 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 reporting that uh, the Red Sox don't look too good. They played the Pittsburgh Pirates today. Um, Most of who is going to start was on the field. Reese McGuire was catching the infield, which is going to be Casas, Arroyo, Hernandez, and Devers, even Devers back. Tapia was playing left field, but he's only playing left because of um, uh, Yoshi still playing for Japan right now. Adam Duvall was in center, and then Ref Snyder was in right, but we know Verdugo is probably going to play there. Justin Turner was back. He looked good. And I will tell you what, the other guy that looked good was Tapia. Tapia did look good um, today, too. Devers hit a couple of foul balls that if they stayed fair, they were they were long, long gone. But I don't know. I'm, I'm actually I'm worried about this pitching staff. Whitlock started today, didn't look good. Um, Brazier and John Schreiber struggled. Even Kenley Jansen struggled a little bit. But I will say though, he's picked not with his new pitch clock. He's picked the pace up. So I don't know. The the jury's going to be out on this year. I thought they were, they're going to they were surprising a lot of people, but I don't know. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. It's not looking. Let me just say this: with opening day next week, doesn't look good. Doesn't look like. But again, it's only gonna. It's only you know, it's the start of the season, so who knows what's gonna happen. But um, to lose the way they did today, I mean, you know, they had a little. They try to have a little bit of a comeback, but I'm worried. I'm just worried about this team. I think they need that the, an extra spark to go along with Devers, and there's a lot of question marks surrounding this pitching staff. You know, we've said it before. You know, Corey Kluber's been named the opening day starter um is the chris sale we've seen in spring training going to be the chris sale that can you know pitch 25 30 games a season it's going to be hard to tell it's really going to be hard to tell but i didn't like what i saw out of them today well that's interesting and it's quite eye-opening for me because uh i think anybody who uh listens to this show knows that derwin is a big red Sox supporter and to hear you kind of be negative on it isn't the best news no, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't know. They just, you know, I mean, they, they again, they played the Pirates. They're, 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 you know, picked to finish and last in the division. And um, they were just, they were hitting Whitlock. They were just, they were, they got some good, good, you know, wood on the ball there with him. I mean, they were, there were some hard hits against him too, you know? Um, so I don't know. And I don't think he's the best case. I'm comparing Whitlock to what they did with Daniel Bard. And for those that don't don't know, Daniel Bard was um, he was coming up uh, in the Red Sox system to be a setup man, and eventually to take over for for the closer role. But then he went to management, said, "I want to be a starting pitcher." They try him on spring training, starting pitching. 
doesn't do well. They end up releasing him. He's out of baseball for a while. He resurrects his career with the Colorado Rockies, and now he's a closer for them, and he's doing great. So he locked out there. But I believe if they kept him as a reliever, this is what they're doing to Whitlock. I think Whitlock, in my mind, belongs in the bullpen. I think he's a seventh, eighth inning guy. Maybe can when you need to give Jansen a rest, he can be a ninth inning guy. They're doing to him what they did to Daniel Byron. That's what's scaring me. I, he's not a starting pitcher. He's just not. And that's my, I mean, that's my opinion. Other people may, may not think that, but I just, I don't want Lightning to strike twice there because their track record with pitchers is not very good. No, it's you know, terrible. They're just developing pitchers. It is. It's absolutely terrible. Guys that they've had in the system, they've either let go or the other ones, they've, you know, I mean, I think the, and I, and I, I might be wrong on this, but I think the last homegrown guy that really made a difference was John Lester. And we know how that happened. Wow. We traded him to Oakland for Orlando Cespedes. And um, I can't, I, I mean, they, they have a, they, the, the kid that they gave up, Thad Ward, that the Nationals picked up in the in the Rule 5 job. Now, if, if he doesn't, the Rule 5 is if they don't stay on the roster for the entire year, they have to offer him back to the Red Sox. I don't know if that'll happen because I think the Nationals need the pitching. But the only other guy that they have down there is Brian Motto, who had a very good season. I'm sorry, very good spring training. But they're going to close him away. But, again, they just don't. I don't know. It's just it's just the pitching staff is 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 that, but it's gonna be a wait and see. We'll see how it plays out. But as far as the Patriots go, you know, mixed on what they've before, done so far. Real quick, yeah, before we like yeah. kind of exit from the Red Sox, yeah. Um, yep. I think a lot of people probably got excited, right? They, you know, at one point they had a, lots of wins uh, in a row, consistent wins, yep. uh, with a yep. few ties mixed in. I think I counted about nine, with those included. Um, and now yep. they're kind of. They're kind of the team that we thought they were going to be, right? And I just say this yeah. because I never like to judge a team off of their spring training preseason, right? I, you know, I usually, and, and I may be horrifically wrong, but if a team has a good spring training, they're usually not going to have a good season. And a team that usually has a bad spring training will actually end up having a good season. At least that's how I, I kind of usually pick it. And even with the, you know, with the Patriots, like the Patriots usually won't win a lot of preseason games, but then they'll go on and win the Super Bowl that year. So it's just, right. you know, it's interesting. You know, when I when I saw, you know, when I, when I was hearing about and seeing the the Red Sox having all these, cons, um, you know, consecutive wins build up, you know, I'm, I was like, all right, give me a break. It's preseason. It's spring training. Do people really realize that it's spring training and not the real world, right? And so, I don't know, a lot of people were getting excited, a lot of hype about it. It seems like they've kind of come back down to earth. But, you know, like I said, I'm not expecting anything special from this season. Well, I'll give you this to conclude the topic on the Red Sox here. The last time they had a, they, they were the leading spring training in victory, like had the best record in spring training, was the year that they won the, they won the World Series, which was back in 2018. That was the last time. That I think that they when they when they ended up being like the best team in spring training where they they did that so yeah they started um, so yeah, off but they started off like zero and four off. against the Orioles right right yep they yeah zero and four there and then they then they picked it up but you know I but again to, to compare the 2018 and 2023 team is comparing an apple to an orange so right uh, but maybe they'll surprise us who knows we'll see what happens but um you know now we get our Patriots you know. Um, I gotta believe. I have to believe. They've got something big coming up. What that means, I don't know. I don't know if it's gonna be a Hopkins trade. 
mean, really, what you have to give up? I think it's. I think it's. Player. I. I actually think it's going to be big. I think it's going to be yeah. be big. A lot of people are saying the signings, the p the the players who they have signed so far, are just like a stepping stone into a bigger signing, right? And so, yeah. I I do think, like I I wouldn't rule out Lamar Jackson to be quite honest with you. I wouldn't. I think there's a possibility Lamar Jackson comes here. I do. I don't know why. I don't know why. No. But I, I, you know, part of me says I wouldn't rule out Odell Beckham Jr. and Lamar Jackson. I'd love it. I would love it because I do. I, I think now more that I read, more that I listen, more that I listen to the podcast and all that, I think Mac Jones put a lot of sour taste on people's mouths uh, last season. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's not well, you know what I mean, and and I mean, listen, he's got to he's got to earn it. He's not Tom Brady. No one will ever be Tom Brady. Sure, first year he goes to the Pro Bowl, but I think a lot of that had to do with poaching with Josh McDaniels and all that. And then instead of finding an offensive coordinator, a real offensive coordinator, you know, you get stuck with Stadler and Waldorf there, Patricia and Judge, who failed as head coaches. And uh, you know, and I think it was a big, you know, hey, listen, this is how it's going to be now. Maybe Belichick now doesn't get along with quarterback. Maybe that's what his whole thing is, you know, because... Well, I mean, listen, here's the, here's the thing. I, you, I, I tell you, and, and, and I was talking about this with somebody the other day, and this might just be me kind of being in, in the way I got brought up, but, you know, I, I can't stand the disrespectfulness from Mac Jones calling one of his coaches Matt Patricia, Matty, oh, Matty P, oh, Matty P, man, like he's his best bud. Hey, get out of here with that. Get out of here with yeah. that. Like, Coach Patricia... Right? Have some respect. You know, so I, I listen, I I'm really all set with Mac Jones. I was all set with him during the season. I, I voiced my opinion on that. I'd rather have Bailey Zappi in there. Um so yeah, anyways. But you know, I'm all set with Mac Jones. And I'm hoping that with Bill O'Brien coming into as the coordinator and the quarterback's coach, I'm hoping that's a sign of to bring Mac Jones back down to earth, and I'm hoping it's a it's Coach O'Brien uh, for Mac Jones. I think it will be uh, because I think Bill O'Brien's a little older, and you know, hopefully, Mac Jones has a little more respect for him. And you know, they they go yep. back to the Alabama days when Mac taught Bill O'Brien the offense. So I just yeah, I'm really hoping that that Mac kind of finds himself and, and becomes more respectful, I think. We'll see. I mean, if it's anybody that can stem in the gear, it's definitely Bill O'Brien. But, uh, you know, we'll see. But, hey, listen, if they get Lamar Jackson, it's just you know that um, Mac is probably going to be dealt or released or something. Because I don't see them carrying both Lamar. I, I don't, anyway. I don't see them carrying Lamar Jackson and Mac Jones. I don't see them carrying both. Could they? Possibly. But I just don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't either. Uh, and – and, I don't either, and some and you know some people would say, oh well, we're gonna keep you know Mac Jones so he can learn under Lamar Jackson. The problem is, is that they're two total different quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson is a hundred percent right. mobile quarterback. Mac Jones is not a mobile quarterback. So you know, right. if you brought in somebody who was not a mobile quarterback and more like Mac Jones, I'd say okay, that's fine. You know, they're gonna have this veteran teach him you know better ways and such. With Lamar Jackson, no, I, I I agree with you on that. I think he would be gone. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. We'll just see. They got something to see. Just final thing for me. 
How's your Final Four pool doing? Um, I, I think like everybody, mine is kind of that good, huh? Yeah. Yeah, mine's probably gone. Um, yeah. However, I'll say this: um, I am, I am still in first place. I believe I am. I'm still in first place in one of my brackets. Um, in the other bracket, I am tied for ninth. And the third and final one, I'm tied for eighth. Um, the only you know thing I have still going for me is that I do have Houston winning it all, and so that's obviously yeah, no, yeah. that's obviously yeah. still alive. So we'll see what happens. Um, I guess I'll ask the question back to you. How's yours? Uh, three out of my four final fours are still in. I had Marquette nice. uh, one. I thought they were going to be a surprise, but they're out now. They lost to Michigan State, but I got a. Uh, I have Alabama, I have Houston, I have Gonzaga, um, and I got Alabama and Houston in the finals, and Alabama winning it. But you know, I you, you just you never know with these things. We'll see what happens. But I never do well in it anyway. And basically, the bottom line is this: I think you win these pools in the first round because I think that's where you know that's where you get them well, stack not up where the you points. Get a majority of the points, but yeah, that's that's where I think you win it. So I think if you don't have a good first round. Not to say that you won't come back and do it, but and I always do lousy in the first round anyway. So it's all it's all good. But all right, my man, good to talk to you. I'll talk to you again soon. All right, thanks, Derwin. Appreciate it. All right, so there's uh, Derwin for you with uh, a few takes uh, on the uh, on the Boston Red Sox, on the Patriots, and then a little uh, a little March Madness take, uh, which is always uh, an interesting situation. Like I said, lots of um, you know, lot lots of lots of brackets. Blowing up there with the uh, Farley Dickinson um, uh, win over Purdue, who was a number one seed. So that obviously had a big effect uh, into that. And so, you know, lots of lots of brackets definitely, definitely blown up. I mean, even, uh, you know, you look at, you know, Princeton beating Arizona, um, you know, the, the 15th seed beating the, the two seed. Um, and then Princeton keep rolling, keep, yes, keep going. They beat Missouri. Um, 78 to 63 who was the seventh so so Princeton is very very much still alive um but I guess I guess the biggest I think story out of it is it's not it, it this season uh, this tournament has not been you know the top seed I mean you look at Furman beating Virginia the 13 against the four that's gonna blow up a lot of uh you know a lot of uh brackets um you know, I guess just moving over to the, you know, to the other side of things in the first round, you know, Penn State beating Texas A&M. I'm sure that had an effect on some uh, on some teams. And as far as that side, that's pretty much as, you know, for the upsets. But, you know, I think just moving forward, um, you know, the games next week uh, starting on Thursday, uh, it's going to be Tennessee. Uh, versus FAU, Florida Atlantic, who beat uh, Farley Dickinson, and then Michigan State versus Kansas State. Uh, which interesting point? Uh, Sam Hauser, Boston Celtics player, uh, has a brother on the Michigan State uh, team. I learned that yesterday while watching the game, so I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool. And then we'll have uh, UCLA versus Gonzaga. UConn is still in it, right down the road. Yeah, not really, but two and a half hours, you know, against Arkansas, uh, and then. Going up top, uh, you got Xavier uh, versus uh, Texas, Princeton versus Creighton. Just talked about a little bit about Princeton uh, being the underdog, and then San Diego State versus Alabama, and Miami versus Houston. 
So that's your uh, that's your Sweet Sixteen, everybody, and then they'll play the um, the Elite Eight uh, that weekend as well on Saturday and uh, Saturday and Sunday. Obviously, the Thursday teams will play on 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 Saturday, and the Friday teams will play on um, on Sunday. So there you go, there you have it. Uh, if you want to call in nine seven eight two nine six three two four five, that's nine seven eight two nine six three two. For five, lots to talk about as I've been off the air for a few weeks, um, and lots of lots of things have happened. Um, you know the whole stories about uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, going to the New York Jets. However, I don't believe there's been a uh, a deal done yet. Um, so, you know, we'll see if that happens. As far as as far as um, Aaron Rodgers was on a podcast um, last week, and he basically said it's out of his control at this point. It's up to the Packers, it's up to the Jets, etc. So we'll see what happens as far as that, and see if a deal can uh, can come together. Uh, with that, let's go to Ray from Methuen. Ray, what's going on? Hey Harrison, how are we doing today? I'm glad you're talking about the the Final Four. Uh, something occurred during the. Uh, FDU uh, Florida Atlantic game that really, really got me. Uh, well, it got under my skin. Uh, number one, while the commentators were talking, I believe it was the color guy, Steve Lapis. Now, Steve Lapis, for those people who don't know, he was a former coach at uh, uh, UMass, uh, also at Villanova, and I believe Manhattan College. The uh, His record was. Uh, somewhere about 200, uh, 280, and 237. So just over over uh, uh, 500, all right? Now, during the conversation, we're talking about how some Division II uh, better ball players will opt to, in the portal, to go into a lot of these Division One teams. Now, he referred to FDU, uh, Farley Dickinson, which, for the people out there that uh, may or may not know, Merrimack College defeated, and it was only because Merrimack uh, is in the fourth year of a four-year probation that uh, they couldn't go to the Final Four. Uh, So Farley Dickinson went. But he's referring to them as the lower, lower tier of Division one. The way I look at it, if you're in Division one, you're in Division one. I don't care where you are, and this is a team that now, well, it made it to the uh, the thirty-two, the field of thirty-two. So, how can, how can you come out with a statement like that? It, it was just simply. Well, I won't say it's crazy, but it's just something that Lapis, as a as a TV commentator, he he should never have said it. You know, what was the, his success record for seventeen years of coaching wasn't that great. So that that's uh, one thing that that really frustrated me about that that particular uh, that particular game. Uh, 
the last thing that that trusted uh, me is at the end of the game with a couple of seconds left. Uh, FDU, even though they were down by probably those six, I think it was a six point uh, difference in the game. Uh, the uh, FDU, uh, Fowley Dickinson took a uh, took a shot. Uh, it didn't go in, and the rebound came up to. Uh, to Florida Atlantic. Well, the kid who got the uh, got the ball for uh, Florida Atlantic, he passed it up forward to a kid who was near uh, center court. Well, that kid all of a sudden starts, and you know you've already run the, won the game. He starts sprinting to his own basket. He gets to the basket with about uh, two seconds left in the game. Does a three sixty, and he's going to dunk it. As it turns out, he hit the uh, the back of the iron and it passed away. But that kid, while he'll be in the Sweet 16, if the coach of Florida Atlantic had any guts, he would suspend the kid and not allow him to play for at least half of the first uh, the first half. Wow! Uh, Strong failings uh, there, Ray. Strong failings. Well, it's Bush. It's Bush. This kid has to learn. You know, you're not rubbing salt in the walls just so that you can look like some type of a uh, superstar. Listen, at the end of the day, karma got. At the end of the day, karma got him, and he missed the dunk, anyways. Well, he did miss the dunk, but it was. It's just. Uh, it's it just Bush. It, it's. It's something that you shouldn't see, and it's saying to younger kids who are watching this that, hey, yeah, that's great. Let's uh, let's do something like that if we can. I, you know, I've watched a lot of basketball in my life, and uh, I've been around uh, a lot of a lot of teams, especially at the high school level. That game has changed an awful lot. But at least you have sportsmanship. And if something like that occurred, that kid wouldn't have made it into the locker room without a strong tongue lashing from the coach. And he would have been brought over to the opposing team to personally apologize for for such a bush. Bush Lee, uh, Bush Lee. All right. Well, uh, all right. Let's is, let's move let's move past it. All right. What's your next What's your next take on this? On what? Uh, on the, oh, on the final. Uh, no, not not even the final four. What's your next What's your next take? I I want to move past the I I want to move past it. I get it. You don't You don't like it, but we got to move past it. What's your What's your next take? Well, the next take is uh, I agree with uh, Derwin. The Red Sox are going to be horrible. Uh. They're not spending the money. Well, they're spending some money. But, uh, it's going to be a typical, uh, just like in the past. They're, they're making uh, all this noise. They're saying, well, listen, we have two, uh, two former side young winners on our team now, uh, which means nothing. That, in a, uh, that won't even buy you a, a, a cup of coffee down at Dunkin' Donuts, you know? All they're doing is talking, 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 and 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 they're not producing. They get they're getting these uh, young kids who still haven't matured. They're talking about uh, some of their uh, some of their prospects, 
possibly being in the starting lineup. I don't think anybody in the lower tier of their, and I'm talking about the double-A uh, right now, or even high, high A-ball. I don't think uh, any of those players are right, ready for playing at Fenway Park. Uh, as as German said, you know, and I believe you said, they do not know how to coach up their uh, their pitching staffs. They have they have horrible pitches. They pick up these guys off the scrap heap, and I might be wrong, but that's it. So I think a kid like Jacob Wallace, Wallace from uh, from the Philan, who was shocked when he was traded by the uh, Red Sox to Kansas City, uh, what was it, at the end of uh, last season, uh, I think the Red Sox actually did him a favor because Kansas City knows how to develop uh, develop ball players. So those are my takes for, uh, for that. Uh, I still haven't gotten into, uh, right now, into the Patriots. It's still a little bit early. You know, let, let all the talk commence it, it's been going on for a while but as far as i'm concerned it's just simply talking and, and uh let's see what happens uh as we get closer to the draft which is what about a month away i guess yeah so draft so yeah yeah dra- dra- draft talk will yeah. be will, will be starting to uh to pick up shortly and uh after i think all these you know free agent and and all these signings and trades um you know figure f- figure themselves out if you will Absolutely, absolutely. So, so we'll see what it is, and it's going to be interesting to see. You know, Aaron Rodgers is playing the game. Uh, the I don't Jets. think he is. Uh, I don't think he's playing a game right. It seems like Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if you heard his interview on the Pat McAfee show, but um, he—it's not up to him now, right? He has said that he wants to be a New York Jet. So now he is waiting for the Packers and the Jets to come up with some type of a deal. And it's all about the language that's in the deal and et cetera. And so I don't know. So I don't know what's happening with that, but it seems like it's now between the Jets and the Packers and Aaron Rodgers is out of it. Aaron Rodgers has said he wants to play for the Jets and that's it. So he's out of it. Now he just needs the Packers and the Jets to come up with a deal. So I wouldn't say Aaron Rodgers is playing a game. I would say the Packers and the Jets are playing some type of a game. Well, I don't know. I, you know, I can I can go out there and say, yeah, I want to play for uh, for the New York Giants. But in order for me to come over and play for the New York Giants, you're going to have to uh, commit to trading, also or picking up a, a free agent uh, list, uh, player A and player B, uh, who I who I highly. Uh, respect and I've had success playing with them. I want them to come and come and play for me. I mean, you know. Okay, but do you blame him? Tom Brady has done similar things. I mean, why did you think Rob Rob Gronkowski ended up going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and playing with him? I don't blame these guys. I don't. And if Tom Brady came, if Tom Brady came back and said the same thing, I wouldn't blame him either. You know why? Because these guys need people to throw to, okay? And if you and if you want to win another championship, if you want to win a championship, you need to be surrounded by people who can catch the ball. 
So I, I, I don't blame Aaron Rodgers, to be quite honest with you. I don't. And I don't think well, he, and, and, right and he now. said, Aaron Rodgers said, he went into that meeting, he said, you know, he didn't go in there with a spreadsheet with X, Y, and Z, like everybody seems like they're reporting. He went in there making some recommendations. I don't blame him. Ray, if you're going to a new job, they ask, what are you looking for? Where, where are you looking to be in five years, Ray? What's your five-year plan? You have to have some you have to have some you have to have some recommendations. He's not going to go you know, he's not going to succeed with the Jets. I think he might. I think he could. I mean, you don't think that you don't think the Jets were possibly a quarterback and maybe one or two players away from something special this year? The Jets are the Jets. The Jets are the Jets. Although it is interesting, uh, the question was asked of, uh, uh, I think it was uh, it was on Channel 7 last night, uh, who is their, uh, their football guy who... who uh, Mike Gir- was Mike Girardi on? He, yeah, Mike Girardi. Yep. So it was asked, asked of Mike Girardi that, uh, you know, where he feels... The, the Patriots are going to fall as far as the Eastern Division is concerned. And he simply came out and said, they're going to be last. And I, I think that that's what's going to happen, that he's going to be, they're going to come out last. And no matter what Bob Kraft has been saying and doing, he still holds the purse strings. And while he just signed that tight end for, what, $9 million for one year, uh, Belichick signed him. Uh, Gizla, you know, uh, and uh, Juju Smith signed for uh, 30, $33 million over two years. Is that what it was? He's, uh, he's just simply, you know, it, it's just putting window dressing on, and he's not going to be committing to anything else. Let's see what he, get, what he does with the draft. And mark my word, he's going to either trade down. He's not going to trade up. He's going to trade down in the first round. He'd much rather well, get some of these... We'll, uh, we'll see what happens, Ray. We'll see what happens. And I think, personally, I think it's going to be interesting to hear um, what Patriots owner uh, Robert Kraft has to say uh, next week at the league meetings uh, in Arizona, especially coming off of... Uh, Today's news by Adam Schefter that Roger Goodell and the NFL owners uh, are working to finalize his contract extension at next week's league meetings. So I think a lot might come out of next week's league meetings. I'm sure we'll get another comment similar to the comment we got from Robert Kraft last year that they they hadn't won a playoff game in three years and he's disappointed about that and they didn't do it the year after that. And I think think it's official that that Bill Belichick is, is, is on the clock. I do. Well, I, I don't know. I think, I think Kraft will probably write him out uh, so that he can get uh, get to his uh, win total and be the winningest coach in the uh, in the history of the NFL. That's all I think. All right. Thanks, uh, Ray. I think I think Kraft Kraft talks a lot at times. All right. Thanks, Harrison. All right. We'll talk to you. All right, Bob. You there? Yes. Hi, Harrison. Good afternoon. Hey, Bob. Thanks for holding. I saw you on the line there for a while. Your your buddy Ray from Methuen was, you know, talking about a lot of yeah. things. 
I know. I just tuned in, so I don't know where we are. But you know what I found interesting? I just found out. I was talking yep. to a friend of mine in uh, FDU, you know, uh, Fairleigh Dickinson, yep. uh, who beat Purdue in the first round. Yep. Uh, they're in the same division as Merrimack College, and Merrimack College beat them 67-66 last week. They did, yes. Uh, which, and yeah, but, uh, you know, because Merrimack was on a four-year probation, because they switched divisions, and I don't understand, they didn't do anything bad, they just had to go wait for four years, and now they're right, four because, years are up. But because beat, Merrimack went from Division two to Division one, you have a four-year, you know, suspension period, and be, even though, you know, the Northeast Conference, even though Merrimack College beat Fairleigh Dickinson in the Northeast Conference championship game, um, you know, yeah. basically all, all, all Fairleigh Dickinson had to do was win the semifinal game and they were going to the March Madness tournament. But what's better is that, you know, Fairleigh Dickinson beat Purdue and it's great. Uh, it's a great story. It's great publicity. Uh, for the, you know, for Merrimack College, for the Northeast Conference. And I think it kind of throws a jab back at the broadcaster that Ray was telling about, saying about earlier, um, you know, how he said, you know, the Northeast Conference is the worst division in Division One, And, you know, I don't know. I mean, our, one of our, one of the teams just beat the number one seed, Purdue. How can you say that after? How can you say that after after a result like that? I, I don't understand it. Uh, absolutely. So, am I correct by saying that if they weren't in that four year probation, that Merrimack would have been in the in the uh, as the sixteenth seed going into the NCAA? Uh, not necessarily because they they would have to play the playing game. Right, so you know, okay. in which Fairleigh Dickinson did they did beat they did beat the team in the in the playing game on Wednesday, and two days later, uh, you know, they played a very tough Purdue Purdue team Friday night, and you know, one of those days was a travel day, so not a lot of preparation being able to go into that Purdue game uh, for Fairleigh Dickinson, and and yeah, a lot of people do say that's the rhetorical question, uh, Bob. It's oh well, if Fairleigh Dickinson beat Purdue basically means Merrimack could beat Purdue. I mean, yes. Yes. I mean, does, 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 you know, do crazier things happen? Yeah. But yeah, technically, mm-hmm. if, if, if you want to do that, then sure. Yes. They, they would have been in Purdue. Um, you know, and then who knows? Could have they beaten uh, Florida Atlantic last night? I don't know. Who knows? So yeah, of course, it's just, of course. It, you know, it's a, you know, who knows what could happen, right? It's, you know, all these different scenarios that can play out in your head. And yeah, it's wherever yeah. you want them to go is is up to you. Well, now that the probation period is over, which it is now, we're going to see what goes forward with Merrimax. I think they're just a wonderful, fantastic basketball team, as well as hockey, too. I mean, they just got a great sports program over there. Yeah, great, great athletic program. Shout out to... Uh, Athletic director, uh, you know Jeremy Gibson, on doing a great job uh, with the transition to to Division One here at Merrimack and uh, moving forward. And you know it, it it has to be a tough job for these coaches and and for Jeremy to to have these teams go Division One, have the four year probation period, and it has to be hard to convince you know a kid who is my age to say, hey, come play basketball, come play football. You know, for us, um, when exactly, when yeah. it when yeah. in hindsight, you know, what do you 
what can you win? You know, what do you get out of it? You know, the goal is to win a championship, right. etc. And you can't do that if you're on a probation period. So, you know, it's a tough it's a tough thing. And I mean, fortunately for you know, for some of the for some of the players that yeah, they're able to, you know, take you know, take their masters and come back for a for a fifth year and there's something called a COVID year and then you have a red shirt year. So you get a few extra years. Uh, you know, you really see that a lot with uh with hockey players. Um, you know, but as far as basketball, because basketball's on probation, hockey's not on probation because hockey turned division one a while ago. So that's a while ago, that's right. Fine. So that's why hockey's able to go um, you know, to the frozen four playoffs and, and the national playoffs uh coming up starting this Friday night against Quinnipiac. Yes, yes. Yes. No, very interesting. And, and, and again, the rest of the madness is just its so exciting, you know, with the wins and the losses and who's there and who's not there. It's just, I, it's, I think it's going to be, a, it was a great year so far, up to, the, up to this point, with the, with the uh, Sweet 16. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, think, I think you can sub, sub that, uh, sum that up by saying, well, nobody has a perfect bracket anymore. So, you know, it wasn't a predictable year. And uh, who likes something that's predictable, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. As a matter of fact, I, am I correct? But I think a couple of number one teams are already out of it. Kansas is gone, right? Purdue's gone. Yeah, yeah. Few. Kansas, Purdue, you know, Arizona. Arizona was the number two, two uh, you know, two seed. Mm. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh yeah. Pittsburgh beating Iowa State, 11 beat, beating the six. Uh, yeah, there, I mean, no doubt there were a lot of, there were, you know, Furman beating Virginia, the 13 beating the four, there were a lot of upsets to say the least. Um, and so yes. like, like, like yes. you said, and, and I said, it's been an exciting, uh, it's been an exciting past, past few days being able to watch it from, uh, you know, Thursday to Sunday. And I'm sure we'll get some more surprises, um, heading into the elite eight this weekend You bet. or sweet, you bet. sweet 16 and elite eight, excuse me. Well, thank you for clarifying these, the uh, the probation period and what could have happened and what didn't happen. I appreciate that, Harrison. Thank you very much. No problem. And you guys have a wonderful night. Have a great weekend as well. Thanks, Bob. That's appreciate all I have it. to say. All right. So there's Bob Foyer uh, with a few takes uh, on uh, basically Merrimack College and the Merrimack College men's basketball team. Uh, who won the Northeast Conference uh, Championship game against Farley Dickinson, uh, but ultimately weren't able to go on to play in March Madness because uh, of their four-year probation period. Uh, Fortunately, that's over, so next year they will be eligible. Um, And so just the story of of it, of, of Merrimack having the probation period, winning the Northeast Conference Championship, uh, but fairly Dickinson, even though losing, is still able to go on and play in that in the, in March Madness, playing the play-in game they won, and then play the number one seed Purdue or one of the number one seeds Purdue, uh, and beat them is just is just such a story, and and it's it's great publicity uh, for Merrimack College uh, to show what a great athletic in school program uh, we have here, as well as going on to say. Um, for the Northeast Conference in which Merrimack uh, is in. So lots of good stuff happening here at Merrimack College, um, you know, and, and 
Good luck to the Merrimack College men's ice hockey team this uh, this Friday night where they'll play Quinnipiac University down in Bridgeport, Connecticut um, for the first round of, of the Frozen Four. And so, obviously, a big, big accomplishment for them. Uh, big win against uh, BC in double overtime last Saturday night and then beating uh, UMass Lowell in double overtime Friday night. And then going to, into overtime again on Saturday, but unfortunately losing to the BU Terriers. Um, unfortunately, still getting a bid uh, to go play in the playoffs is all great news. Um, something I don't usually say a lot, but um, you know we haven't talked much on um, on the on the Celtics and the Bruins and pro sports, which is all good stuff. Um, the Celtics are scaring me. They're scaring me, uh, and I forget who uh, who the reporter is on NBC Sports Boston, Chris Forsberg. I think he said the other night the Boston Celtics have become a um, a chore for him to watch, and that says something as as a Celtics reporter that he is saying that the Celtics have become a chore for him to watch, uh, is not good. Is not good. And so I, they got to figure some stuff out. They really do. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It seems like where, they, where they're at right now is almost where they were at last December and January when things were kind of not going so well and all of a sudden a light, you know, you know, a light switch went on and they went on this tremendous run. And now they're kind of, they're really sinking. So, you know, Al Horford hasn't been the player he's been. Uh, Jason Tatum certainly hasn't been the player he's been. I think he's been taken out of all uh, MVP consideration. And so, you know, Jalen Brown's kind of been trying to carry the team. And Marcus Smart, you don't really hear about him. You don't really hear about Marcus Smart. Uh, Robert Williams is uh, is obviously still out, injured. Hopefully, coming back soon. It's it's speculated that they're gonna come back. So- that he's gonna come back soon, um, possibly tomorrow night. Uh, given that they'll they'll have a little break, you know, before and after after that game. So hopefully he gets back. But listen, it's not it's not a good situation uh, for the Boston Celtics right now. And you know what? What was once a team in which you thought was unbeatable, and they, you know, was you know the first, you know, fir- first place team, best record in the NBA. Um, you know, Jason Tatum being the MVP and all that stuff. It, it, it's just sad how they have, you know, decreased significantly in all of those talks. And you know, you now think. Is it really going to be that easy for the Celtics to win the NBA Finals? In fact, I think it might be harder this year than it's going to be that than it was last year because last year they were at least on a run. This year they're not. They're in a slump right now. Let me tell you. And so they don't have many games games left. Ten games left. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, ten games left for the Celtics. And in Third place of the Eastern Conference behind the 76ers and the Bucks. They're not looking good. And if they continue to drop, the Cavaliers are right there too. Right there, right there on them. The Cavs are right there, let me tell you. So the Boston Celtics, they they need to figure something out. Hopefully, hopefully, 
coming home uh, for a game on Thursday. Well, or I'm sorry, fr- Friday night. Sorry. Hopefully, coming home to a game Friday night will uh, will help them significantly because they 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 need it. They need something. They need something. You know, losing by one point uh, against the Jazz uh, on Saturday. You know, after their two wins against the Blazers and the Timberwolves, but then losing to the Rockets. Just not a just a tough tough time here for the for the Celtics. So they definitely have to pop out of their slump because they're in trouble if they don't. Um, as far as the Bruins go, it, it, you know, it seems like the Bruins the Bruins had a slump, like I said in the beginning, losing three out of you know three out of four games. Um, what were the dates between? I think I want to say March. Uh, It was March 11th, maybe? Uh, March 9th. So losing three out of four games between March 9th and March 14th, but now have, you know, three straight wins. It seemed, you know, that that period of time, those three out of four games right there that they lost, that was a scary time for a lot of us, right? Just as scary as the Celtics right now. And it, and, and it was really disappointing because the Celtics slump and the Bruins slump was happening at the same time. But now it seems like the Bruins have kind of overcome it with three straight wins. Uh, like I said in the beginning, the big win last night, or yesterday afternoon rather, against the Buffalo Sabres, 7 nothing, with all uh, you know seven points being a different player, no player with you know a hat-trick or two points, etc. All seven different points, I think shows the versatility of this team and how good they can be. So, you know, lots of positive stuff, um, you know, for for the Bruins right now and, and moving forward. So... We'll see what happens, and, and we'll see where they um, where they go. And you know, but like I said, I feel a lot more confident about the Bruins right now than I do the uh, than I do the Celtics. So we'll see. We'll definitely see where that uh, where that goes. Anyways, that's going to do it for me today here on the Sports Talk with Harrison Chase on Merrimack College Radio WMCK. Again, special good luck uh, to our very own Merrimack College men's ice hockey team who take on the number two C Quinnipiac University. Uh, this Friday night in Bridgeport, Connecticut at 5.30. Go get your tickets, fans and students, and uh, and have a good time on that trip down to two and a half hours down to Connecticut. Uh, anyways, for day-to-day hourly updates, you can follow me on Twitter. That's Harrison Chase 5 That's Harrison Chase 5 on Twitter for day-to-day hourly updates. Have a great week, everyone, and we will see you next week right here on the Sports Talk with Harrison Chase. You've been listening to The Sports Talk with Harrison Chase, Mondays at 5, only on WMCK, The Sound of Merriman.